Welcome to the Thirst World Problems Podcast, where we talk about drinks, current events, music, and more. Now, here's your host, Nick Dugall, and his panel of experts, B, Bell, and the infamous Doc. This is Bell coming at you from behind the mic on Thirst World Problems. B is MIA, but I've got Nick here with me. I'm here. And we've got a special guest today. Brockhoots from Patent 5 Distillery, and we are drinking Aviations with Brock, some cocktails with Brock. Right on. Thanks for having me, guys. You already poured yours? Man, I, I'm actually really behind. You're behind. I should, I'm, I'm very behind. I should uh, pour this. So if I pour this in any other glass besides a martini glass, would... That this taste be a little bit different, or is it just more the experience in a martini? Yeah, you know, it's mostly the experience for the color. Martini glasses have a nice big uh, opening to them, so you get to, you get to experience the aroma as well as the taste when you're drinking it. Sort of like the concept of a whiskey snifter. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, this smells amazing. Plus, it looks really elegant, right? Because almost everybody's got one finger or another up in the air when they're drinking out of a martini glass, so it looks very elegant. Yeah, no, it, wow, that actually tastes amazing. It's like, uh, it's got that nice, it feels like, I want to say lavender for some weird reason, but uh, I just feel like, I just think of lavender when I, maybe it's just the color, but it tastes amazing. Now, do you guys, do you guys, uh, are you guys mixing this on a regular basis? What's going on with this drink? Uh, well, it, it was one of the drinks, uh, we have a cocktail room in the front of the distillery, and it was one of the drinks we were serving there. But during the whole COVID thing, we've just been trying to find a niche to sort of keep in touch with our customers. Gotcha. And so about three weeks ago, our general manager said, you know what? There's lots of bars in bigger cities, New York, San Francisco, Toronto, doing cocktails to go. Why don't we give it a go? So uh, we put our applications into the governing bodies and uh, they've approved it. And so we're selling cocktails to go. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, oh, you, uh, it's neat. Uh, new for Winnipeg. We'll see how it catches on. I was going to say, I had a friend come in from Calgary, and she had brought with her uh, a few of these that she got from her local bar. She's always bragging about her bar. And I was like, oh, that's such a neat idea. I haven't seen anything like that. And then after we had a discussion there, I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess we do have something like that. Yeah, well, you know, Winnipeg, we're always just a half step behind. But when we do it, we do it better. <laughs> A lot of people create it. We just perfect it. That's yeah, probably that's right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the distillery, what are you guys focusing on going past this whole COVID? Well, for sure, it would be awesome to get back to normal. Uh, we opened uh, Friday the 11th was our first day opening uh, after two months. So you sort of hopefully we'll get into that rhythm of, of running that again. We're not running feel? tours yet. But in the interim, we took some of that time uh, while, well, I guess it's still going on, but we took some of that time to work on our whiskey. So we've now got uh, six uh, barrels of whiskey in our barrel room. And that's definitely one of the focuses going forward is to have three or four different types of whiskey aging in barrels. So over the next three months, that's definitely a big focus for us. Now we're talking here. Yeah. Now, um, so when, when you first came back, how was that feeling when you were like, wow, I'm, I'm back here? Like, 
You know what was really neat? So Friday, we opened at four o'clock. So we spent all week prepping and cleaning and getting ready. And um, we were like at quarter after four, we were full and it, it felt awesome. There's a certain, you know, we were talking a little bit, bit before the podcast about how you, how it feels neat to be around people and you could just feel that vibe in the bar and it felt awesome. Um, so that's probably the best part of it is just having those customers back in the people you recognize, the people you talk to. So yeah, we really miss that. So before we get too far away here, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot and let's see if you know what's in your own cocktails here. So we're drinking the aviation. Uh, uh, I'm going to throw a quick caveat out that our, that our bartender's the expert, but I know that there's purple blossom gin. I know there's maraschino liqueur and I know there's creme de violette in there. Uh, I, I can't tell you the exact proportions, but I think I've probably got the ingredients. Oh, that's pretty good. The only other one I think was uh, Luxardo. Oh, um, I, yeah, there's a Lux. I think actually a, there's a proper, a proper cherry that you're supposed to have in it as well when you're, when you're serving it in the bar. So, Fantastic. Speaking of the bar, so what's one of your personal favorite cocktails? Um... I, it's probably a bad thing to admit, but I like a simple gin old fashioned. So, you know, instead of your old fashioned made with whiskey, I just, I love it with gin. So I, and you know, when we started, we, we didn't really, I, I'm not sure that we knew exactly what we our specialty was going to be, but it's sort of morphed into being gin. So the, the different gins have been tons of fun to make. And we've got a, a few projects that we're working on sort of skunk works, a spicy gin for fall and stuff like that. So I like, I like almost any drink that's got a gin base. Oh, look at that. Nick. I know my, my ears just popped up and ready to go here. Do you do any collaborations with other, do people even try to do requests of like, Hey, you know, we, we want to do for like a party. If can you do something special for us for a drink or anything along those lines? You know, we just started. Uh, so we had a woman in about two weeks ago and one of our bartenders was putting a drink together for her wedding. So she wanted something unique for her wedding. So she came in, worked with our bartender, figured out what she liked and the bartender made her a drink. Um, we're reaching out to a couple local breweries to take their unhopped beer and turn that into a whiskey. Nice. We have had quite a few inquiries from um, some of the coffee roasters to partner up for a coffee liqueur. So all in the works, but from concept to actually making a product is um, it's lots of work. Like you end up probably with 10 or 15 failures along the way. So you do have to carve off a fair bit of time to make that work, but it is yeah, lots of fun. What I'm hearing and is taste testing going on uh, plus you get to taste it and even if it's a failure you're still tasting almost every day that's wonderful like uh bell, bell what what would you do like if you could fuse something together obviously it has to be in the gin because you know two against one right here we love gin <laughs> well you know i'm partial to those tropical flavors so like a nice pineapple yeah. mango something along those lines maybe a coconut a colada kind of mix that's kind of what hits my ear Nick, what do you what are you thinking? I know you got something in mind here. 
Honestly, like I, I always think I, I love doing fresh watermelon in my gin. I love that. I don't know why. That's just my, that's just my summer drink. Just gin, nice. It's got to be a nice gin just with watermelon in it. I'm pretty simple like that, but it just, for some reason, it just hits the spot every time. Just, just a slice or you squeeze it or how do you serve it? So, so I, I put the slice in there on the, on the edge. Yeah. And uh, honestly, it just drips in and it, every time I take a small sip, it just gets better and better and better. So right on. yeah, it's kind of like being out on the rocks, I guess. Right. So, yeah. you know, gets changes a bit as you go, cha- changes a bit as you go. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, what do you got? Well, I was just about to say, I've, since I was a small boy, I've always had two dreams. One was to have my own uh, radio show, and then the next was to have my own bar. So it seems like Brock is uh, living the life right now. Can you tell us nah. up at the distillery? Bell, my, even when we first put the plan for the distillery together, a bar was never part of it at all. I just never wanted to be a bar owner. And then what happened was um, when they were tearing the St. Regis Hotel down, there was all that oak in it from, uh, from when it was built in 1911. And through um, an awesome coincidence, we, uh, we were allowed in there to take all of that, uh, all those historic elements out and put them in what we were going to have was a tasting room just to come in and sample our vodka and our gin and our whiskey and then it just like in about three months, it morphed into a bar. <laughs> so it was never part of the dream, but it worked out in a really neat way. So happen happens for a reason, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So what what was you what? Sorry, these cocktails hitting so nice. Um, in a previous life, what brought you to the distillery? So what are some of the steps that I guess kind of led you down this way? Uh, ew, boy, 20 years ago, I worked for a, a local IT firm and I used to travel a fair bit and I would always find the local uh, craft brewery and go in and find out what their story was and what made it special in that city. And one of the brewers asked me if I'd been next door. I said, no, he introduced me to the guys next door and they had a small distillery. And until that point, I didn't even know that craft distilling was a thing. And when I saw it and saw all the, the copper still and whatever, I just fell in love and said that that would be really cool. And that's sort of where it sat for about 10 years. And then they made some legislative changes in Manitoba that you allowed to open one. And then about five years ago, I said, that's it. We're going to do it. So uh, I quit my job and started looking for a place and bought a still and did all those cool things to actually get it up and running. What's, what's kind of like an art to putting uh, like distillery together? Like, I just feel like, I feel like there's so much that you have to learn and, and you just have to keep on going and going. It, you know, for us, uh, we got all of our licenses in November and it took us November, December, January, February, March. It took us six months before we had figured out how to make a vodka and a gin that was good enough to serve in the bar. Um, before that we had worked on some really sort of tiny home equipment to try to get our gin recipe down and stuff like that. But those first six months were so frustrating because when it works, it's so simple. And when it doesn't work, it just, it feels like there's a thousand problems. So, you know, in a, in a simple way, you heat up the, you heat up the, the wheat with water, you add yeast and you distill it. But when things go wrong, it's, it's amazing how many problems you can find. So, 
So I think your answer would be trial and error. We just kept at it, kept at it. And even now, uh, this weekend even, we're still trying to tweak it to make it just a little bit better. The at-home distilleries that you mentioned, do do they even work? Do they make a big difference compared to, as as a sampler, to what you guys are doing now? Since you obviously you guys have a bigger distillery now. Yeah. Uh, vodka, no. Like you don't really get a clue what your vodka is going to be like on a on a little small still. Yeah. But the different botanicals in gin, you get a real good idea of what flavors the different botanicals impart. And so we probably over the course of about two years before we opened, we probably tried about 50 different recipes with the botanicals until we thought, you know what, we're close enough now that once we fire the distillery up, we can try one or two of these and it's going to work. So I'm hearing you say 50 different recipes, long hours for taste testing, long hours for experimenting. So when you told your family that you were going to quit your job and start doing this, what would, how did that conversation go? Um, well, you know, it's one of those things where I think my wife probably thought you're crazy, but if you're actually doing something you like, then it's worthwhile. Um, I, I never, I mean, I like being an accountant, but I never had a passion for it. And when like, there's lots of like the first, the first year I was at the distillery, you know, 14 hours a day, literally seven days a week. And I didn't even mind going in Saturday and Sunday because I knew I was tackling a problem or, you know, I'm going in and something's going to work today. So craziness for sure. But when you go and when you get out of bed and you're like, okay, I got to go to work. I got stuff to do. It feels good. It feels good. And that's what everyone's kind of searching for. That's why it's kind of kind of awesome that you had the support off the bat from uh, from your family because I can't imagine having that discussion with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think if we had really known what it was going to be like, I think the discussion probably would have been very different. But <laughs> did you guys ever have any? I don't want to say crazy ideas. I think every idea might be crazy at first. But like, have you guys ever thought about like an idea where you just realize, wow, like what were we thinking? when it comes to mixing something? Wow, good question. Um, I, so I guess, I guess what, what I'm looking for there is something that was just an absolute failure. And the only, we did once. So, so when you're making a product, you get heads, hearts, and tails. And the heads is the stuff that comes off first, doesn't taste very good. The hearts is the stuff in the middle that's just delicious. And the tails, they sort of, at the end, they lose their freshness. And I thought, you know what? I don't think the tails are that bad. I think if we add the tails back to the heads, we're going to increase productivity and have a great product. And our bartender, I think, said, uh, she tried a bottle and said, what the fuck are you doing? So it was clear right then that we needed to stick to what we were doing. If you're going to try to make some money by extending this, you're going to fail. So I think that was a real good kick in the butt to say, yeah, you, you got to keep doing it the hard way. There's no shortcuts. <laughs> it's true. There are no shortcuts. Well, like I think we were talking earlier that during the time of COVID, you guys were making hand sanitizers. Is that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and how was that for the process of like, where, where did that come? Just 
is it more of just hey you know what from the heart you need what you guys wanted to just do something that's for the people or was it more of for your guys's own safety like you guys needed more just to, just because it was there's just such a shortage at one point it, you guys it, needed it yeah it it was never for us um we have lots of ethanol so it, we, there's always like those heads and tails I was telling you about that aren't drinkable, they're they're 90% alcohol. So we always oh, had right. lots of sanitizer and disinfectant. The first week it just it it became apparent that we had virtually everything you needed in the distillery to make hand sanitizer. So it's almost like in a strange way we had a responsibility to do it. So we took the ethanol that we had. And we bought and lots of people donated raw ingredients and bottles. And we just said at the start for the first couple of weeks, we're just going to give away everything we make. So we just targeted not-for-profit agencies that were working with vulnerable people and we just gave it away. And it actually became uh, operationally almost impossible to do because the demand was so huge. So in the end, what we did was we just partnered with United Way and we would ship it to them and then they would distribute it. And then after about three weeks of that, we sort of ran out of everything we had and then we had to start to buy it. Like we had to buy the raw materials. So at that point we said, well, why don't we do a combination of donation? And if there's a market out there, why don't we sell some? And if we can sell some uh, and at the end of this, when the bar opens, hopefully we're actually able to sustain ourselves again because if you didn't, if you were in the restaurant biz or the bar business or whatever, and you did nothing for two months, it's hard coming out of it. So we were fortunate enough that we were able to sell some so that, you know, we were able to survive. Smart move. Yeah. Like what might as well keep it going when, uh, you know, nothing's happening. So I, th- I think that's, I think that's one of the biggest things for companies during that time. It was just how, how do you transition and somewhat make, I guess, a profit, but, you know, maintain, maintain the core. Right. So giving yeah. it away, it's fantastic. And I think, and I think in the, in the end, you know, I think people realize, you know, as small businesses or just companies in general that they do, you do have to make a living. It is your bread and butter. Right. So I think people will understand and will pay, pay a little bit, you know, larger than uh, the normal. If you go to a store and get it, they're willing to do it just because they're willing to support local. And I think that's one of the biggest things um, from what I've seen, people are willing to pay that extra just to help everyone out. So, yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, in the end, the way it all worked out, um, I mean, I don't think we're through, through this whole COVID thing, but True. where we sit right now, I, I think, uh, I think a lot of the things that we ended up doing worked out for, you know, the community members, for our partners and for us. So, so we're going to change it up a little bit here. And I'm thinking about, just the distillery in general, how happy you are to go in and work your 14 hour days. What's a theme song? If you had to pick one, your day at the- <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, the, um, <laughs> that's a good question. I thought, yeah, I thought maybe when you put me on the spot with the ingredients, that was it, but this is, this is a tough one. I'm going to have to think of, you're going to have to give me some time. I'll try to multitask and keep talking and think about that at the same time. Sounds good. Sounds good. So we also mentioned just being, you were 
you wanted the distillery to kind of represent some of the things that Manitoba is. Yes. Is there a specific flavor or is there imagery? What is it exactly? Do you, you make the connection with the distillery and Manitoba itself? Well, you know, what we wanted to do, and it's kind of tricky, was to sort of celebrate the history, right? The building we're in was built in 1904 during Winnipeg's heyday when it was a boom. All the woods from 1911. Our name, Patent 5, was, uh, is, is named after a column still. The, the fifth patent ever issued in the Dominion of Canada in 1869 was for a column still. So we actually had a glass column designed to to sort of commemorate that so i would say it's sort of winnipeg's history as we move along we're going to have some small whiskey releases that'll celebrate manitoba events and manitoba people but i think at the heart of it is manitoba ingredients so all our vodka and our gin both start with manitoba wheat grown ground and processed here um we source all of our water locally. Like it's not city of Winnipeg water, it's spring water that we use that's perfect for yeast. It's sort of like Kentucky and Scot in Scotland are both known for their for the type of water that they use. Um, Manitoba happens to have very similar water. Like we've got everything here. So instead of apologizing for where you live and oh, it's Winnipeg and mosquitoes and floods or whatever, it's like, yeah, no, there's no reason why we don't have the make the best spirits. Like some of the breweries here make world-class beer, right? So why can't we make world-class whiskey and gin out of Winnipeg? Right. So that was sort of, um, I guess that was the idea is to celebrate where we are. Very nice, very nice. So what about the distilling community, I guess, here in Manitoba? Because we're still saying that it's fairly, fairly recent. So how, how connected, I guess, is the, is the community? Uh, there's really, uh, without getting into the, the real deep details, there's only two, I mean, there's that big one in Gimli, right? But they don't, I don't really count them. But there's one other guy uh, named Jason from Capital K. He's been at it for about three and a half years. And there's us. And that's, that's it for the community. So, you know, I'll talk to Jason two or three times a month and we see each other at, you know, at different farmers markets or whatnot. We have a, a craft association, which includes the cidery, the winery, the meadery and the two distilleries. But we're, you know, we're tiny. Like Manitoba is so far behind. BC has 80 distilleries, craft distilleries. We have two, even Saskatchewan, which is about the same size, I think has 15. So we've got a long way to go, and and I think I think it'll be a fun community to be part of in five years once we grow. But it's um, we're just the 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 winer the wineries in Winnipeg, the meaderies in Oak Bluff, the cideries in Winkler. So we're just you know we we talk a lot, but we don't sit down and share ideas as often as it would be as as I'd like us to. Fair enough. Um, one quick question, I guess, about there being only two. Now, I'm always told about uh, 204 vodka, or they've got the the branding of 204, like it's Manitoba with a, I believe it's the French vanilla vodka was one of the big releases. And yeah, but, are, are they, but you're saying they're not part of uh, the distilling community like that? They, um, they don't actually distill their their products. They they import their products. 
and then they, they blend it. So they import uh, high proof alcohol and they add water and they put it in a bottle. So it's, it's a little different than the distilleries. We, we start with raw materials. We start with Manitoba wheat and we cook it and, and go through the whole process. So it's, it's, I mean, they've got a, a very viable and, and solid business model. It's just different than a distillery. Okay. When will you start doing tours? When's that? Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing we had five requests this week. I don't know when it's like, because of social distancing, we've only got room for, I think, 21 people in the bar right now. And tours tend to be, you know, four to 10 people. So we thought we'd be open again next weekend. We're going to open three days next weekend. And then after that, we're going to sit down and figure out what can we accommodate in terms of tours. So I'm hoping in about two weeks, we'll be back to doing it. People are People love the science behind it. They love the copper still. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty, we're completely transparent. Like here, we'll take the cover off. You can watch the fermentation. Like you can see what's going on. So I think people really appreciate um, and, and millennials really, I think they have a real appreciation for the fact that it's sort of, it's grown here, right? There's nothing artificial. It's all made right here. So tours are an important part for us. So long-winded answer to say about two weeks. Well, that's, two weeks, okay. that's what I was going at, uh, even with that uh, 204 question there. I mean, mm. the last time we were at a, a distillery, uh, Nick and I, we were out, we had to drive out to uh, Alberta and we went to do a few visits out there. So now that it's actually tours are going on here, we can come see the products. And just on the podcast itself, talking a lot of people about drinks, the younger crowd, I wish B was here, uh, but uh, are starting to get more interested into the real spirit side of things and pure products. And especially, like you said, a little bit of that Manitoba pride of, okay, I'm tired of hearing about my friends in BC telling me about all these great and unique bottles that they have. We've got some stuff here of our own. So, yeah. And I mean, yeah, we'll, uh, I think, I think I would guess in three years, Lots of people in Canada will talk about what's going on in the distilling world in Manitoba. The, uh, the, the whiskey that you mentioned, the barrels that you got, how, yeah. how long are you guys going to let that sit for? Uh, you know, I don't know, right? So you, you put your whiskey in the barrel and we have some of it in. So, so bourbon has to be aged in a first use barrel. So the barrel is gotcha. charred, but cannot have had liquid in it before. So right now we have three bourbon bar- uh, first use barrels full and the other three are full of uh, whiskey that was that already held uh, bourbon. So we've got some Maker's Mark and some Heaven Hill barrels that used to hold bourbon. So they'll age at different rates. And I don't know, like we tasted it about. So we put the first batch we put away was July of last year. So it's coming up to a year and we tasted it. It was like, it's sure going in the right direction, but it's not there yet. So uh, you'll, I think we'll only know. And all my distiller friends that, that I've talked to outside of, you know, Manitoba say like, when you taste it, you'll know. And, and on that day, you make the decision to dump the barrel and bottle it. So I don't know. I wish it was tomorrow, but I don't think, I think it's probably going to be another six, eight months. Okay, six to eight months, yeah, okay. 
Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, I'd really love to be able to pull one out of a barrel for Christmas, but I don't know. <laughs> you never know. You give it a try, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we've got cool plans to, to age some barrels in, um, like, in, a, in an unclimate, in a non-climate controlled warehouse. So in winter, it's like minus 10 in there, right? And yeah. so the whiskey will not age at all. But in summer, it'll be, you know, it'll be like uh, 35 degrees. And the hotter it is, the faster the whiskey ages. So this whiskey will be purely Manitoban. Like it'll have gone through the seasons just like we do. So it will freeze its ass off in winter and hot as hell in summer. I think I, th- I think we age pretty heavily during the winter time in, uh, in, in here, so we do. Well, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, I, I think like... you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Brock, as our expert here on alcohol and spirits, what's one tip that you could give to our listeners who are having to host a party in the next couple? Well, once the regulations slip back, but have to host a party. What's a tip that you can give? Um. So I would say that if you're going to serve cocktails, uh, have a good boozy cocktail for people, have a, a sweet cocktail and have a sour cocktail. So if you're going to make, if you're, if you're serving, have three cocktails in your pocket. So you've got a nice boozy one that really, really reflects the flavor of hopefully gin. If they like gin, a nice sweet one for people that really maybe don't like the taste of, uh, of the alcohol and, uh, and a sour, a whiskey sour or something that uh, for people who like sour, because it's, it's, it seems quite distinct that people really, if, if they're not looking for the straight up spirit, they tend to lean heavily to sour or sweet. So now you already know what the follow-up question is going to be. You gave us the sour one with a whiskey sour. Now, what about the boozy cocktail and the sweet cocktail? Um, the sweet cocktail, I am going to go with our Manitoba berry gin, which is our original gin with Saskatoon, Manitoba Saskatoon's macerated in it, and just about a gram of sugar. So it's just got a hint of sweetness. It's called an Old Tom-style gin with a little bit of blood orange cordial and a little bit of soda water. And it's a summer dream <laughs> and boozy, 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 boozy. I think you got to go with a martini, <laughs> just a whole bunch of ice cold gin. And if you want it, if you want it dry or if you don't want it too dry, add a little dollop of vermouth. But I mean, we, we've got, we've got people that just like two ounces, ice cold gin, couple olives. There's your martini. Bell, I think we might have to make a visit here very soon and just uh, try that entire menu. Will you guys let me know? I would love to have you on a tour, show you, show you how things work today and the barrel room that we're putting in the back room, so little secret room so we can do some whiskey tasting back there. The building's also just really super cool and beautiful. We're going to have to walk down that day because I don't think that uh... – <laughs> <laughs> We're having our keys with us on that tour. I was going to bike there. I wasn't going to drive. Oh. Yeah, lots of bike racks out front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So outside of the distillery and outside of tasting, obviously, what are some of the things that you do to pass the time here, Brock? Um, for the most part, I'm going to say absolutely nothing. It's still, this business is still 
in a young enough stage that this, this is what I do. I mean, I have my, my three kids are teenagers. So if they'll tolerate me for a bit, I'll do something with them. But um, yeah, it's, it's still, you know, I was at the distillery yesterday again today. So it's pretty much every day. If, if I had time, uh, I'd love to golf or, you know, do something crazy, like go to a different, a bar other than ours or go to a restaurant. But, uh, yeah, it's still, this is still pretty much it right now. So how do your kids feel? Do they understand uh, exactly what uh, dad does uh, for a living here? Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, in, in the first days of COVID when they closed school, uh, we had them in there helping us bottle. But uh, they got they got tired of that really quickly. I tell you, it's a monotonous job. We've got a little two-baller bottle filler. You stick two bottles under the filler, you press the button, and when it's done, you move them to the side. So um, they lasted maybe three days of doing that, and they were like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> called in, he called in sick. Yeah. <laughs> you said it's a two-bottle filler. So how many bottles would you go through or when you're doing your bottling process in like a week? Um, in a really good week, we would do uh, maybe a thousand bottles. But that's like, that's a big, that's a big week. That's like two big orders that you're trying to fill. So, so that's, yeah, that's like 500 times you reach over for the bottles that you just cleaned, you put them in. I mean, it's like, you got to see it. Like, the bottles come out, you put the cork in by hand, you put the plastic sleeve on, you put the heat gun on. It's, this is a small distillery. I think we need to come down there and maybe roll up our sleeves a little bit. And- <laughs> hey, I was going to say, say, Bell, if you want to work there at nights, <laughs> that, that might help them out. <laughs> Got to help, help the, the small guys, right? Support local, right? Support local. That's right. That's right. Outside of your own uh, spirits there, Brock, is there another brand that really catches your eye or that's one of your go-tos? Um, boy, you know, I, I, I'm sort of attracted, and maybe everybody is when they're, when they're looking at spirits or whatever, but I'm, also, I'm often attracted by the brand, like how the company puts the whole thing together. And I look at Dylan's. Uh, it's a, I don't know if they're craft anymore. They might be pretty big, but they're in Southern Ontario near Niagara, Dylan's, And they make, they make an awesome rye whiskey. And so many of the things that they do, I look at and think they do it right. I, I don't try to copy them, but I like to be sort of led by, by the way they do things. So they've got a few gins, They've got a vodka, they've got some whiskeys, they've got a line of bitters. Like I just, I like the way they do things. I like their packaging and they make a really good product. And now we've got to go to the other side of that question because that was a very nice answer that you had there. Now, what's, what's one spirit that you just will not touch? Yeah, you know, I'm not a tequila fan. I, I don't know whether it was the occasional trip to Mexico when I was younger, but People And people say that good tequila is, you know, just on ice or even neat. But I, it's just not working for me. So I don't know. Maybe someday I'll try one that I'll really like, but I, I don't do tequila. So we yeah, will never, I, I, I'll tell you, we'll probably never make tequila. 
<laughs> I don't think I've ever uh, had a tequila that I just never just went, wow, this is amazing. It's more of just like, uh, I'm never doing that again. That's pretty much it, right? So. Yeah. So uh, I'm told that if you tried really good tequila, you might change your mind, but I haven't yet. So challenge is on. Let's do this. <laughs> when it comes to decisions on making different types of drinks, what is there some sort of theme that you guys go based off of? Is there is there more of a decision being made of, you know, what is it more just what really sells or is, are you guys just going based off of what you guys are more passionate about? When it comes to, um, I would say is, it's it's mostly just, about what we're passionate about, um, and our our general manager's a bartender. She's from uh, she's from Scotland. She's been in the business a really long time. She's got an awesome palate, so she can really taste and say like that's really good. So when we make our like our vodka, for example, is. I'm going to challenge you to say it's probably unlike any vodka you've got. It's got flavor, it's sweet, but it's still quite neutral. And that's the way we make it. So we're not going to make us like vodka is supposed to be tasteless, colorless and odorless. And that's not what we make. We don't sell a ton of it because people generally don't want to pay $40 for a bottle of vodka but we're not changing the way we make vodka. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It won best international vodka at the American distilling Institute last month. Like it is wicked. I don't think we're ever going to sell a ton of it, but it's awesome. So we stick to the principles of that's the vodka we're going to make. And we stick that, that way with our gin too. It's not for everybody. It's robust. It's got lots of citrus and juniper. If you have a gin cocktail, you're going to know you're drinking gin. So a lot of the gins now, the new age gins are, they're a little bit floral without a, a whole lot of body, but you know, that's, that's not what we're out to make. I'm, so, I'm actually pretty excited for this gin here. Right. Uh, on. We, we might, we might have to come by uh, next week and then <laughs> seriously have a try it out. Just, just, just hearing that just won me over. Let's yeah, you should come by with I'd love for you guys to try some of the products that we've got in the back that we I would say they're not quite ready to become a real product like our spicy gin. We've got a citrus gin. We've got some funky stuff that you can try. I'm always curious what real gin drinkers think about some of the stuff we're experimenting with. Nice. Nice. I'm in. Let's do okay. this. Okay. All right. I'm all, I'm all in. It was the vodka that caught my eye. So that's, that sounds nice. And I like the fact that you're not chasing trends. You know exactly what it is that you're trying to do and you're sticking to that. That's exactly what you want to hear from a spirit company, in my opinion, anyways. Yeah, we're, you know, we're experimenting something with stuff that I would say is, is trendy, but we don't want to follow the trend. If the trend is for people to drink like the hard seltzers, right? The white claw stuff. Mm-hmm. So if the trend is for people to drink that, let's see if we can't make a bottled cocktail that just is kick-ass, right? It doesn't just taste like fizzy water with a little bit of lemon. So we're struggling with that. It's not easy, but um, hey, we'll find something that's, uh, that's really good that you can put in a can. I get there. Well, that's my next question then. So with a, with a pre-made cocktails, that, uh, that we had here tonight. Is that something that's going to be ongoing after this whole COVID situation? 
or is that something that is kind of like uh, just an aside for a bit? It we want to make it part of what we do. Um, you know, people like convenience, right? That's why people like the canned cocktails and stuff. So this is this is a little different though, because this is a this is a premium handmade cocktail to go. So that's a um, that's a bit of a new paradigm, I think, for most people here. So, you know, your friend from Calgary was bragging about what they're doing there. So maybe, maybe Winnipegers will embrace it. We'll see. Um, it's, we haven't, we haven't sort of uh, properly packaged and branded it yet because we're not sure where it's going to go, but, but I'd, I'd like people to say at the lake, you know, just pull out there. We've got some punches in 750 ml bottles. There we go. And that's for two or three people. Bang, easy, tastes like just is killer. Like it's an amazing cocktail. So yeah, I, I hope it works. I hope it works. Well, even even this was phenomenal. Like it was just like when, when you ever always see something in a bottle or a can, like you said, you're 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 not gonna get that experience. It's just more of something quick and easy. But this Honestly, this is probably one of the best things I've ever had in a long time. Thanks, so. Nick. So yeah, that was made that was made Friday. So our cocktails last about a week. So that's another trick too, right? You can't put it yeah. in a can and ship it to Toronto and have it sit on the shelf. So we've got to figure out if it has to be consumed within a week, then people are going to have to come to the distillery. They're going to have to buy it and they're going to have to drink it on the weekend. So again, that's a, a little bit of a change for the way people buy and consume their spirits as well. Well, that, I think you're going to have uh, busy Fridays because this conversation actually came up uh, yesterday. We had a bit of a barbecue and we had, you know, we had uh, some drinks and stuff out and we were making our cocktails. But then once it gets busier or you get into a few drinks, you don't want to keep making cocktails and taking out the shaker. And like, if we had something ready to go, that's, that's ideal, right? So... I, I think the quality of cocktails probably after about 90 minutes probably plummets pretty quickly at a barbecue, I'm guessing. <laughs> that's it. It's just that toss something in there and let's go, right? <laughs> that's right. Well, Bell's, Bell's not the greatest person barbecuing. So, <laughs> you know, after 90 minutes, everything tasted phenomenal. But <laughs> who knows? Who knows what it really tasted like? <laughs> All right, Brock. This is the, this is the part that you're going to dread here. So I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to any of our interviews, but what we do is we do a gauntlet. So that means that we're going to ask you a bunch of rapid fire questions. And it's the Damn you. thing that pops in your head. <laughs> don't think I forgot about the theme song. I'm still, uh, I'll ask you that one last. <laughs> okay. So I'll give you a minute to catch your breath here. Not a minute. Done. That's how much okay. time. And now your first question. Can you remember your first kiss? No. What's the best Christmas gift you've ever given? Given? Given. Oh, oh my gosh. How do you prepare for this stuff? <laughs> um, a piece of jewelry. Can I be that vague? <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it. All right, here, here's an easy one for you. Would you rather lose all your fingers or lose all your toes? Toes. All right. What's one movie line that you'll never forget? Uh, I'll be back. Would you rather be friends with Barbie or Jim? Barbie? <laughs> <laughs> That's a loose loose. 
Well, what's the worst haircut you've ever had in your life? Uh, probably the one I'm sport the COVID do I'm sporting right now. <laughs> All of a sudden, eh? Courtesy of my wife. Girls <laughs> are under the bus. Holy! <laughs> What's something that you miss doing from your childhood? Uh, just hunting squirrels in the bush. Okay, here's a nice one, too. What's the last time you cried while watching something on TV? Oh, the last time on TV? Um, I'm going to say 10 years ago and crying with laughter at The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> if you were five year, if what would, what would you tell your five-year-old self as a piece of advice? Um, stick to it. <laughs> Oh, another easy one. If you could turn your worst enemy into an inanimate object, what would it be? Um, the tree at the end of my driveway that every single neighborhood dog is well acquainted with. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask for a name. Uh, <laughs> None will be given. <laughs> that came out quick. <laughs> Oh. That seems like uh, somebody already ans- uh, asked him that question. <laughs> yeah. What's one thing that's taken up too much time in your life besides from work? Um, planning to start exercising. <laughs> and what's the shadiest place you've ever had a drink? Excuse shadiest me. place would be... Uh, in a back room in a casino in Nairobi. Nairobi? How long ago was that? Uh, 18 years ago. Oh, I hope you're going to say like six months. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the last question, I meant to ask you earlier, you had mentioned that you just have, you started to win some awards now for, uh, for your spirits. Could you just... Tell our audience what's, what it feels like now to start to be validated from chasing this dream. You know, I think that's, that's the best part about making spirits is, so we submitted the spirits to the, to the American Distilling Institute, mostly for feedback, right? Just to say, are we going in the right direction? Are we on the right track? And when our, when our vodka was best in class, the double gold or whatever they called it, it just... It was, it felt like somebody said, you guys get it. Like you're doing a good job. But I, you know, we get that when we're at a market or somebody walks in and says, you know, my friend was in here the other day and they said your gin's the best gin they ever tasted. It just, it's, it makes your day. Like it doesn't matter if your last distillation or your fermentation was like crap. It's like, yeah, like we kind of know what we're doing here. Hmm. So yeah, it, it's it's totally what keeps you going because uh, without that, I, I I don't know what would keep you going, right? Fair enough. That's awesome. That's awesome. And now, can you tell some of our young listeners why they need to come by the cocktail room? Why they need to be drinking Patent Five? The room is so inviting, and it feels. I think everybody feels so welcome in there. It's such a good time. Like I told you, when we opened Friday for the first time in two months, just the, the laughter and the feel, it's just got a cool vibe. It's a lot of people say 
it doesn't feel it, it it doesn't feel like you're in Winnipeg, which isn't what we want. We want you to feel like this is definitely part of Winnipeg. And it's a really cool part of Winnipeg. It's got kind of a bit of a speakeasy feel to it. There's no sign outside. Um, and it, it just, I want people to come and say, wow, man, have you heard about this place? I just went there last night. I had an awesome time. Bartender made the best drinks. Everybody was having fun. The space is so cool. That sounds, hey, that sounds like a dream. You already got Nick coming down next week. So I think we are going to come by and visit and maybe even uh, get in the back there and uh, show people exactly uh, what they can expect here in Winnipeg. Cause that's, that's a, that's the exact vibe that we've been chasing for a while. Awesome. Please do. Like, I'm serious. When you guys like send me an email, you want to come by any time, day or night, I'd love to have you around, show you in the back, show you what we do. Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate that. Coming on. And I know you think that I forgot it, but we're still waiting for your theme song. I don't know if it's my theme song, but now that it's in my head, I can't get it out of my head. We, uh, our purple blossom gin is kind of like a deep purple color. And every time we talk about, is it the right color? Somebody in the distillery says like deep purple smoke on the water. So (laughs) it's not my theme song, but I can't get it out of my head. So I'm going to go with uh, smoke on the water by deep purple. There we go back when we come for a visit so that's- <laughs> <laughs> uh brock thanks so much for uh coming on with us today and taking up thank you oh my pleasure it's great talking with you guys and i look forward to meeting you in person very soon sounds good thanks again awesome thanks guys All right. thank you thanks for listening to the thirst world problems podcast For more exclusive content, follow us on Instagram at ThirstWorldPod. Make sure to subscribe, like, and share.